And uh, we turn to fearless. We're in uh, uh, the last one, last uh, message in the fearless uh, series. And uh, it's kind of a heads up also that next week we start a different uh, message series uh, called Life Change. And, um, uh, you know, as we do different message series throughout the year here, you know, some are a little more focused internally. Today's message is more internal. Uh, but the next series, uh, Life Change, is uh, much more of an external uh, focus. So it's one of those invite series. So if you've got people out there in your life, in your workplace, your family, wherever you are, your circles of influence, and you've got some folks out there that just they just need to get their life together, you know, they just need some life change to happen, uh, invite them to the next series, will you? Uh, because that's what we're going to talk about. How in the world do we accomplish, how does God accomplish life change uh, in our life? And that all connects with uh, Celebrate Recovery, a new ministry we're launching, and you'll hear more about that in the coming month. And But there's folks out there this week to tell you. But anyway, so any anyway, invite series, life change uh, starts next week. But let's wrap up Fearless. And uh, we have been uh, using 2 Timothy 1 as kind of our theme verse for fearless to be fearless faith people. Right? So let's say it together last time. Say it like you mean it. You ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We're talking about being fearless faith people, right? How can we look at experiences of God's people in the past, apply that into our own life, so that we are the same in this generation, that we are a fearless generation, especially here at Christ Church, just absolutely sold out to be impact people that advance the kingdom. Today, we're going to meet... Uh, one of those guys, just an awesome guy, uh, and and you'll see obviously what he does. It all comes out of uh, out of uh, Samuel, and so you need to turn to uh, Samuel. Uh, was it First Samuel uh, 13? Is where we're going to start, I think. Yep, and uh, it's about this guy named uh, Jonathan. Okay, and right away when we get into the story, uh, there's an observation to be made. If you know the experience of what's going on, uh, you can see that Jonathan is going to teach us right away that fearless faith never settles for the status quo. So what's going on? Okay, there's Jonathan. Anybody know who Jonathan's dad is? Answer is King Saul. Okay? Saul's now king. Jonathan is his son. Uh, Saul uh, is king of Israel, but he's got one problem. The problem is he's king over a country that is being dominated by a foreign power. So he's the king of Israel, but the Philistines are occupying his land. He's the king, right? He's in place. He's the king of Israel. But the Philistines are just always there, and they're always influencing, and they're always causing trouble, and they're always just kind of occupying, and they call the shots around his kingdom, really. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that Saul can be king, and it means Jonathan is a prince. And for the two of them, on a personal level, that's a good thing, right? It's good to be king. (laughs) It's almost as good to be prince, right? Not a bad gig, being king, being prince. The challenge for them is that they could be king and they could be prince and life could just go on and they could let the Philistines just do what the Philistines do and they'd still be king and they'd still be prince and life would be pretty good. It's good to be king. Jonathan, however, is fearless. And he will not settle for the status quo. He understands that Israel belongs to God. 
he understands. God has something more in store for Israel than just being a nation subject to a foreign power. And because of that, he is willing to step forward and be fearless. So what does he do? Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of the Philistines at Geba. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this, rise up and revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Geba, and the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. What's going on? Jonathan will not settle for the status quo. Instead, he goes out and picks a fight. He goes out and picks a fight. Now, he could have had a great life being prince, dead king. He could have just settled and said, you know, but let the Philistines do the thing. I'm just going to be prince. I'm going to take the benefits of what it means to be prince and just settle. But he would not do that. Here's the challenge. How many of you and how many people do you know live lives that just settle? They just settle. They say, well, you know, that, that's just the way life is. I mean, it's just, is this as good as it gets? It's, it's just the way it is. Marriage, well, it's not perfect, but, you know, this is just as good as it's going to get. Jonathan understands that God is not a God that settles for the status quo. And he goes out and picks a fight. See, there's some of you here today, you need to get serious about picking some fights. You've got to pick some fights. Maybe it's in your, in your house where the kids run the calendar and you parents don't. Maybe you've got to pick a fight and get things back in order and say, we're the parent, you're the kids. There's fights that you've got to pick out there. Maybe there's, there's fights that you've got to pick because your finances are not so good right now and you're just getting by and you're just kind of settling for living paycheck to paycheck. You got to get serious about that and pick a fight with that and get into Financial Peace University and start tithing and get your financial house in order. You got to pick a fight. Don't settle for that. See, there's all kinds of places that you can look in your life right now and ask the question, where is it that God wants me to pick a fight because he's got something more for my life than what I'm settling for right now. That's what Jonathan does. He's fearless. He says, this is, not, this is not what God created Israel for. To be subject to the Philistines? No way. I'm going to go pick a fight. He picks a fight. In contrast, what happens with Saul, his dad? Saul, the king of Israel, the guy that should be out there picking a fight, he's the guy, ironically, that settles for the status quo. Jonathan picks the fight. Saul raises an army. It says that he's got his army and he puts out the call to all Israel. But then, of course, when you pick a fight and you're sitting in the status quo, what happens? When you pick a fight, there's going to be blowback. When you pick, it's not going to be easy. When you pick a fight, there's going to be blowback. So Jonathan picks the fight. His father Saul settling for the status quo. What do the Philistines do? It says the Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of the sand on the seashore. Is that a big blowback? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They camped at Michmash east of Bethel, and the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. Don't you like the way Bible describes things? They saw what a tight spot they were in. You bet it was tight. See, when you pick a fight, you've got to be ready for the fights. 
I mean, when you, when you pick a fight, you say, listen, I'm not going to settle. God does not want me to settle for this. You've got to be ready for the battle. Instead, what is Saul doing? Saul is going back to the status quo. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. He just hangs out on the outskirts. He's on the other end of the nation right now. He's just hanging out as far away from the battle as he can hang out. And he's put out the call, and he had 3,000 men, and he, and he put out the call, and he got a whole army of men, but they're all in fear. And what happens when it's all done? They went from Gilgal to Geba in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men that were still with him, he found how many? There's a lesson here. You see, a lot of folks, they don't like the battle. They don't pick a fight. And they settle. And they say, well, you know, it'll just blow over. You know, it, it's good enough. It's, it's just the way. It, it'll just blow over. It, it, it'll just pass. You heard this before? You know what you're doing when you say that? You're allowing decay and death. Look at Saul. He raises 3,000 guys. Then he puts out the call. He gets a whole army of men. Everybody's excited for the battle. The Philistines are up again. But Saul gets back into the settled mentality. And when it's all done, all of those guys dissipate away. And he's left with 600 guys. Decay. Now, what I'm sharing with you today is not just true in your personal life. This is also true in a church. You know what this means for a church? If Christ's church ever gets to a place where we start settling and saying, well, we're big enough. Eh, we're doing a good ministry. Everything's kind of comfortable and cozy and let, let's just enjoy. If we ever get there, you know what we decide to do when we make that decision? We decide to die. We decide to die. That's what happens. Decay. When you settle, when you're not ready for the battle, when you don't go pick the fight, you are deciding for decay. That's what happens. Saul settles. He decides for decay. Why does he settle? Well, he's got problems. It's not that he doesn't have problems. It's not that these problems aren't real. It's not that the fights aren't difficult. It's not that the settled stuff that's going on doesn't represent challenges. They've got big challenges. You know what the big challenge is right now for Saul and Jonathan? According to the scripture, their big challenge is they don't have blacksmiths. Can you believe that? A place without blacksmiths? But that's what the scripture says. It says there was no blacksmith in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear that they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So the Philistines, during their time of influence, they went out and they captured all the blacksmiths and took them back to be with the Philistine army. What did that leave the Israelites with? They had no provision for making weapons. They had no provision for making weapons to the point that it says, So on the day of the battle, when Jonathan stepped forward fearlessly, on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or a spear except for Saul and Jonathan. How many spears or how many swords did they have in the whole army of Israel? Right? Two. Jonathan's got one. Saul's got the other one. That's it. Now, it would be easy, if you're in that circumstance, to look at the situation and say, Whoa, I can't pick a fight. I can't pick a fight. There's just not enough resources here. We, we, we just could never win the battle. There's not enough to go around here. It's just impossible to pick this fight because there's just not enough. It's easy to live with the mentality of scarcity. 
to just say, listen, we, we, we can't do that. We, we're just not in a position yet. We just don't have enough yet. It's just not the, not the right time yet. You know that dialogue, don't you? Jonathan will not accept that dialogue. He will not accept that mentality. And instead, he knows where there's a contingency of Philistines. And he's ready to step forward fearlessly. He does. Only he does it strategically. First, here's what he does. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Isn't it interesting, that last part? Why didn't he go tell dad? Because dad would have said, Nah! No, son, no, wait a minute. You got it wrong. We only got two swords in the whole army. Are you crazy? No, 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 not the time. Don't do that. In fact, I'm ordering you. Because Saul was a settled kind of guy. He was a God can't kind of guy. Now, you got to understand, when you get ready to pick a fight, you got to be careful who you surround yourself with because there will always be voices out there saying God can't. There will always be voices saying God can't. And what you need to do is concentrate on surrounding yourself with hardcore, solid Christians who are God can Christians. That's Christ Church. We are a God can place. We're going to stay a God can place, right? I mean, example, right? I mean, at the time when we had one of our families step forward and say, yeah, God's putting in us our, our heart to go over and be missionaries in Addis. There, was people, there were people in this church that said, oh, man, I don't know how we could do that. I mean, that's a big thing to bite off. I, I don't know if we have enough. Today, our people are in the ground, our center is open, and we've got like 38 children and moms already in the place and we're doing ministry in their life. You tell me God can't. Huh? Come on. Seriously. Now, how easy, how easy, how easy would it be for a church to say, "Ah, that's biting off more than we can chew, I think. So don't go to those people. Don't surround yourself with those people. Why would you do that? Jonathan, he knows what dad's going to say. And so he just says, let's go. He's going to listen to what God has to say first and foremost in his life. That's what we listen to. We listen to what God's got to say. So Saul, he stays in his settled mentality. It says, Saul and his 600 men camped on the outskirts of Geba. They were there around the pomegranate tree. He had all the trappings of religiosity. It says, among them was Asia the priest. Now, this guy was not just a priest, by the way. He was the fourth generation priest. So this guy is steeped in what it means to be a religious, religious person, right? And it says he's got the ephod thing. So he's got all the trappings of being religious. You know what this means? There are all kinds of churches out there that just want to look churchy. Let's just have the traditions and the stuff that goes along with what it means to be a church. And as long as we've got a big cross on the front door, we're good to go. That's not where it's at. Jonathan, Jonathan teaches us, look, it's not about whether you look religious or not. It's not whether you can talk Christianese or not. It's what are you doing to advance the kingdom. That's the difference. 
Saul has all the religious stuff around him, but he's sitting there doing nothing and settling. Jonathan? Jonathan understands God will not settle and wants more, and he steps out to advance the kingdom. He's advancing the kingdom. Now, you got to know that when you get this serious in your life and you become fearless, it's going to put you between a rock and a hard place. This is not easy stuff. It's going to put you between a rock and a hard place. You may have some nights where you don't sleep so well. Uh, Jonathan, it says, to reach the Philistine outposts, Jonathan had to go between two rocky cliffs. They were called Boaz and Zena. The cliff on the north was from Michmash, the one on the south from Geba. What's he got to do? In order to go confront the Philistines, he's got to go through a rocky terrain with cliffs on each side. Does this sound risky? Absolutely. You see, when you go to pick a fight for the kingdom of heaven to advance the cause, it's risky business. It is absolutely risky business. But Jonathan understands if you don't take the risk, you can't give God the opportunity to do what God wants to do. It's in the text. Let me show you. Jonathan says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Now, for me, the key word in that whole section is the word perhaps. You see that word? Now, does Jonathan step forward in this situation fearlessly, absolutely convinced and sure that God is going to win the battle? No, he does not. No, he does not. Does he know absolutely how things are going to turn out? No, he does not. All he knows is that if he doesn't step forward and take the risk, God can't work and act. Do you see that? Perhaps if I step forward, perhaps if I don't settle, perhaps if I pick a fight, perhaps if I move forward in my life, perhaps if I take the risk, God will fulfill what he wants to do in my life and things will change. He takes the risk. This is risky stuff. I know that. It's risky. It's got cliffs. It's got rocks. But you can't let God work if you don't take the risk. Christ Church, there's stuff we're going to do around here, and it's going to fail. But we're going to take the risk. Because if we don't take the risk, God can't work. Jonathan takes the risk. And because he's willing to take the risk, he creates the opportunity for God to work. And the armor bearer, he's the most amazing guy in the whole story. The armor bearer goes along with him and says, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. He just moves forward with Jonathan in complete trust. Now, does Jonathan do this in a, in a stupid way? No, he doesn't do it. Death isn't just blind going forward stuff. Here's what he says next. All right, then. We'll cross over. We'll let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are, we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. Does he have a plan? Absolutely he's got a plan. Does he have a vision for how God could work? Absolutely he's got a vision for how God can work. You see, when we move forward fearlessly, we move forward with a vision. We move forward with a plan. We move forward in spite of the risk because we know 
It's possible. Perhaps this could be the way God is going to elevate life and elevate this church. You don't just move forward just kind of to move forward. You move forward with a vision. You move forward with a plan. You move forward with an idea of what God could do if he chooses to favor. Jonathan is fearless when he moves forward. It says, when the Philistines saw him coming, they shouted, Look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come up here, we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, For the Lord will help us defeat them. Do you know what he just said? While Saul is settling and saying we don't have enough, Jonathan is saying, listen, looks like all we need is one sword. We got too much. Remember they had two swords in the whole kingdom? Jonathan moves forward fearlessly with one sword and his armor bearer behind him with a club. And he knows that's all he needs. Why? Because we just sang it. Because the Lord is right at his side. And that's all he needs. He's got a plan. He's got a vision. It starts unfolding, and he steps onto it. Now, here's the deal. When you do this, you never know what God's going to do in the ultimate outcome. This is where the thing really gets exciting. He steps forward, right? Now, it's not easy. Look, it says, So they climbed up using both their hands and their feet. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind him. They killed some 20 men in all, and there were bodies, they were scattered about all over for about a half an acre. So you get the picture, right? They got to climb up, hands and feet, in rocky ground, cliffs on each side. They got to climb up. The Philistines have the military advantage. They climb up, they face the struggle, they go through the battle, they take the risk, and God acts. God acts. And with one sword and a club, you know, you just kind of see it, can't you? Jonathan's there is fighting his way, and when they fall, the guy, armor bearer, whacks him with a club. You know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you see it? And they just advance. They just advance. And you'd say, wow, one guy and a guy with a club, and they killed 20 Philistines? That is absolutely incredible. No, that is only the beginning of what God does on that day. That's only the beginning of what God does on that day. Because of the fearless faith of one person, Jonathan, and his armor bearer, with one sword and a club, on that day, God acts and frees Israel from the Philistines. The whole battle, the whole kingdom is restored. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. What happened? God decided that this fearless faith was enough to rescue Israel. You see, when you, you take it serious, when you do fearless faith and you pick a, pick a fight with the things that you've been settling with in your life, that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. That's only the beginning of God being able to elevate your family, your life, your career, everything that's going on in your life, if you just keep advancing the kingdom fearlessly. You don't know what God has in store, the possibilities of what God has yet to accomplish. Jonathan just wanted to go defeat 20 Philistines. And before the day is done, the whole army is wiped out. Isn't that awesome? Incredible. Because God honored the action of one guy in an armor bearer 
who expressed fearless faith. Saul finally came along, finally got involved in the whole deal. And you read through the whole thing, and it says by verse 23, So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle continued to rage. The Lord saved Israel. Listen, we've been through a whole series now about fearless faith. I want to tell you, we are going to be a fearless church. We are going to be a fearless church. Because God expects that of us. And this is our generation. And this is our time. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to pick fights. I want to pick fights with that schools in our, in our communities here where the kids are involved in premarital sex and they're messing around in drugs. I want to get in there and pick some fights. I want to pick some fights with divorces that are happening that shouldn't be happening. I want to pick some fights with marriages that just aren't everything God wants them to be. I want to pick some fights with people that settle for careers that they could do so much more if they just let God have his way in their life. I want to pick some fights. God has something more in store for your life. Don't settle. Don't settle. Get serious about being fearless. Fearless. And give God the opportunity. Take the risk. And give God the opportunity to more than you ever think or imagine or dream. On one day, he freed Israel because of fearless faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be the people of, of God in this generation and to be fearless. We know that call is on our life. We know that Jesus Christ came into the world and he was fearless. He was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to do whatever it took. He took all the risk and he freed us in one day. He freed us. And three days later, he gave us life. Lord, just put that upon our hearts. Put that upon our time. Put that upon our visions. Lord, we know there's marriages that need help. We know there's families that need help. We know that that there's so much going on out there in the world. And uh, we're here to pick a fight with it. Not for ourselves, but to advance the kingdom. So we pray now, inspire us with a vision. Give us a plan and keep us advancing. Keep us moving forward. For the kingdom of heaven and the glory of your name. We ask it through Christ. Amen. Thank you.